You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Basic Blonde podcast, and we have a very special guest today, Yola Robert. So let's welcome her on my podcast. Hi, Yola. How are you? Hi, Olga. Thanks for ha- or it's Olyasha or Olga. It's Olya, but uh, my full name is Olga. I don't really go by it, you know. Oh just- yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Olya. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. And let's just begin. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself, like where are you from and where are you located? Yeah. So I live in Los Angeles, California. Um, and I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Wichita, Kansas originally, and I moved to LA, um, in 29, I mean, (laughs) 2013, sorry, to pursue a career in fashion entertainment, but that didn't really go as planned. Um, so I ended up going into the tech world and the VC space. And then throughout that time, I developed my love for writing. And I started initially writing for Elite Daily and doing some things for BuzzFeed. And then after I worked in the VC space, my business acumen grew. And I saw a different side of of branding and influencer world. And, you know, when it came to raising money for companies, and I dealt with big CEOs. And so I wanted to write more than just fun millennial clickbaity articles. And then I eventually started writing for Forbes, and now I have a podcast as well called I Suck at Life, Um, and I interview celebrities, entrepreneurs, big influencers on how they have navigated um, life, all the sucky moments, how they've turned their setbacks and failures into successes, and um, really just sharing their story that most people don't get to see in the media. I heard about your podcast. It's very interesting. And I've seen your guests. It's like, it's a very fun podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, it started because I kept interviewing a lot of these 
bigger celebrities and CEOs on for Forbes. And I, some of them I built relationships with and off the record, they would, you know, we would be talking about things. And I, I realized I'm like, Oh my gosh, like they're not perfect either. They, part of the reason that they are successful is because they fail almost every day, but they're able to pivot and learn from it, or they're able to, you know, take lessons and move on. And in my younger 20s, I always felt like I was sucking in stuff, whether it be relationships or career or friendships or money, like everything. I just felt like I kept failing and I just sucked. So that's kind of how it came at, came about um, the title, like I suck at life. And um, it, I'm very grateful that I get to do this and uh, not only get to share you know, other people's stories and hope to inspire and help others and give them a laugh along the way. But I also learn from them when I interview them as well. And that's interesting. And I love the name. The name is very unique. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely unique, but I felt like it was very authentic to kind of how I was feeling as like, and still to this day, I feel like I suck at a lot of things, like and I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and I felt like a lot of people kind of related to it in one way or another. So that's why we went with that name. <laughs> I think we all do. It's like we have our challenges along our journey. <laughs> yeah, we do. And like, it's important to talk about it and be open about it. And hopefully you can either learn something and, um, you know, get new ideas from it or get inspired or, you know, hopefully it motivates you in one way everyone has their story and their journey yeah because when you come overcome these challenges you grow as a person and you just get more experience in life and but what was your turning point when you exactly decided oh I just want to be a writer and I just want to do this um it wasn't really a turning point I would say it was like a gradual it was something that happened gradually so I first started writing for Elite Daily um, after I had a really bad breakup. And this was when I was 20. So this was probably in 2014, um, going on 2015. And I wrote a blog post called My Shit Show Dating Life. And an editor from Elite Daily uh, saw it and she thought it was funny and cute. And um, they didn't actually publish that that one, but they asked me to write a few other pieces. And um, the pieces, uh, some of the two that went viral, like got over like millions of views um, in a short period of time. One of them was 35 Thoughts Every Woman Has While Working Out. And then another one was eight ways to get rid of the guy who won't give up. And those two kind of, like I said, they became, they went viral and a lot of people were reaching out to me, um, asking me if I could write more stuff for them, um, whether it be like on a smaller blog or ghostwriting um, or, uh, you know, working with a brand to write copy for them. So that's kind of how it started. And it was always just at that time, a hobby. 
like I've always wanted to write a book. Like I've just, you know, I probably, I will probably write a book. Um, I've written a book. It just needs to come out. Um, but I never thought of myself as <clears throat> a writer growing up because I have dyslexia. I have ADD. I was always in, you know, the, the I don't want to say the special ed English class, but it was definitely like the English, it was like a smaller group where you had like a, a para like with the kids teaching you like slower it was like the slower English class I guess even though and then I never participated in like journalism club or the newspaper or anything like that so it was just very um I just never thought of myself as a writer so when the elite daily uh success happened it kind of I started to change my view on myself because I was being validated by millions of people. Um, and at the same time though, I wasn't making money from writing. Um, so it was, I was doing all these pieces for free. Um, it was just more to get exposure. And then as my career continued, the one thing I was really good at it seemed was communication and writing and I went to business school so I didn't really tap into writing that much except for like business plans and proposals and thing like, things like that and I always did really well with those um, but then I had a startup uh, it was a fashion tech app and that failed eventually and then I was looking for any kind of work and the work I was getting was all around writing. What, and most of it was like copywriting for brands um, or uh, ghostwriting. So what really took a turn for me to answer your question was when I was working in the VC space and I was ghostwriting for like thought leaders or entrepreneurs for their columns on like business um, on business sites like Inc entrepreneur fortune and Forbes. And it was all my work. Like I literally was coming up with it. They were my thoughts, my opinions. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I should be writing this for myself. Like I should have my name on that, not theirs. And not everything I did end up going being published also with the with the ghostwriting stuff um so I had a few pieces that you know I still owned because it never got published um and I was like let me just start pitching all these business sites uh like Inc Fortune Entrepreneur um, Forbes and see if they would you know take you know put out my story um that I've written and I think I wrote the one I was sending out was around it was like seven ways um, or seven things to look look for um, or seven things venture capitalists look for when you're when raising money something like that and no one got back to me and I sent like I think 40 emails out like I literally had to track down editors reverse engineer to find their emails no one responded to me. 
And I just kind of gave up on, not gave up, but I was like, okay, like I'm spending all this time trying to do this. I'm not getting paid for it. I need to focus on my job. Um, but then my, I got laid off from there. The, the company, the V fund kind of dissolved and I had, I was unemployed. And then, um, so I took more time to think about what I really wanted to do. And writing is what gave me the most um, pleasure, not pleasure, but it, it was a passion of mine. And I felt fulfilled when I was writing. And I felt like I was making an impact in the world um, and using my voice and to, to bring up real issues and highlight um, real people that maybe didn't have a voice in the past. Um, and I came back to the same problem, not finding anyone to like hear me out or give me a chance. And I needed to make money, obviously. So I got a job at a marketing firm. And a few weeks later, I'm at an event with Bumble. And one of the editors at Forbes is there. Her name's Ruthie. She's no longer there. But I love her to death because she gave me that chance. Um, I went up to her and I was like, I think I deserve to be writing for Forbes. I've been ghostwriting um, for all these people. And she was kind of taken aback. And I was like, just give me a chance. And she kind of was like, okay, here's my email. Um, let's talk about this on email. And the test piece I did did well. So they allowed me to, to become a contributor. And then um, I became a senior contributor this past December. Uh, and then I ended up leaving the marketing job probably six months into it and just focused on doing all things related to content creation and writing and um, communication. And that led me to the pop, like starting the podcast and then being able to work more one-on-one -on -one with brands on a consulting level um, to help develop their own writing um, and editorial strategy. Wow, that's an amazing story. But who do you write about now? Like, did you have any interesting cases, like funny or like very unusual cases? Um, un unusual. Uh, the most recent one that was kind of unusual, I would say, was uh, the David Curl. If you're familiar with the hair care product, Deva Curl. I have curly hair. Um, yeah, I do. I yeah, so you're familiar with it. Yeah, so my sister and I started to notice our hair was getting really frizzy more when we were using it. And it was getting, our curls were flattening out. Um, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of girls are, like, making these claims. Obviously, you know, I took it with a grain of salt. Some people made extreme claims. Um but I wrote a story about what was happening with David Curl. Um, and it's been a little bit crazy because I, I interviewed both David, like the David Curl corporate. And I interviewed the first influencer that kind of broke the video that went viral. Um, that caused a lot of other women to come out and say, yeah, my hair is damaged. My hair is damaged. Um, the one thing when you're writing about something like this, where it's kind of controversial, the feedback you're going to get isn't always the best. Um, so I, although I tried to stay neutral as possible and show both sides of the story, um, I could totally understand how some people thought I was bashing David Curl. So I, I 
was getting DMs um, from a lot of people, anonymous accounts telling me that I'm part of the problem, I'm spreading rhetoric, um, I don't even know half the story because David Curl is being framed because this girl who has a Facebook group is trying to get a book out and she paid this influencer to go against David Curl so her book could sell. Like crazy stuff like this. Um, and it's just, it's interesting because people don't know as a journalist, you obviously try to interview as many sources as possible when it comes to a story like this. And I felt like I literally went straight to the horse's mouth for both of my sources. I did. So I also didn't know about these other players that supposedly, um, or trying to take Diva Curl down. So the, I've, I've had to deal with recently um, kind of trying to communicate to these anonymous accounts that, you know, I did my research, I've spoken to both parties, and this is what was said to me, and I'm just reporting really what was said to me. Of course, maybe there's a little bias in there because I mentioned that I've had issues with David Kroll, but um, I, yeah, that's the most interesting one. I've, I've controversial story I've written recently. And then um, another interesting person I got to interview recently was Serena Williams um, on her partnership with secret and what they're doing for like women and females in sports. So female athletes. Um, but I think right now, we're in a really interesting time in our world. Um, I don't know when this episode's going out, but um, the coronavirus is just, um, is kind of halting everything and everything is kind of being surrounded by that. At first, our editors were telling us not to really cover it. And now that's all they want us to cover um, is the effects of the coronavirus and all of that. Um, so it's a really interesting time as a journalist because and same on the podcast. Um, my episode that goes out next week, I have Tina Craig, the bag snob, on, and she's Asian and she's dealt with xenoph xenophobia and like racism since the coronavirus came out. Like people are blaming it on anyone who looks Asian and, and taking it out on them, even though that's <laughs> the stupidest thing ever. Um, so yeah, it's a very interesting time as a journalist right now because you kind of feel like the responsibility um, and you also feel the pressure, like, can you write something that is like unicorns and butterflies right now when the world is like going to shit or are you, do you need to educate and inform people with the platform you have? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Coronavirus is huge right now. I went to the store yesterday and it was so crazy, like... I went, I just went to get groceries. I didn't even know what's going on. Like, it's so much panic around. You know, there were like long lines, nowhere to park. I was like with my cart, by my car, trying to put stuff in the trunk. People ran into me and they were like, we'll help you un like unload your car. Just give it to us because there are no carts in the store. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. You're, you're in Atlanta, right? Yes. So I think in LA, <clears throat> and I'm sure in any big city it's like bad, but in LA, there it's just crazy. Like 
Trader Joe's, forget Ralph's and Costco, like any of the, like forget um, these like major grocery stores. They're completely fucking out, like completely. I went to Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's, they try to stock three times a day. A lot of these other grocery stores are not even restocking or it takes them like a week to restock. So the Trader Joe's, like I literally had to go to four Trader Joe's to find toilet paper. Um, it was crazy. And I put two packets of toilet paper in my cart and people were trying to take it. Like I got the last gluten-free pizza at Trader Joe's. Like all the frozen stuff is gone. There's no vegetables, nothing. I think what people have to start doing is buying fresh and, and freezing it in freezer bags. Um, because like if you want to buy spinach or broccoli it's you can't find frozen spinach or broccoli like there's fresh obviously so I I don't know I think if it comes to a point we'll see if we get quarantined here in LA I think we're all expecting it everyone in LA is because the way the lack of testing we've had in LA um combined with how everyone interacts I mean any big city um especially like in the West Hollywood Beverly Hills Hollywood you know the the busier kind of areas um people are are aware that a lot of us might have it but we just don't know um and the only way to stop it is to quarantine um and that's that's the scary part I'm not scared of the virus getting it I'm scared of not knowing I have it and infecting other people who are more susceptible if that makes sense yeah that's true and I had like I usually get allergies in the springtime so I had like and I was seizing and I went to the doctor right away and I was like no coronavirus they're like well no you're clean you're fine I was like well I don't want like you know I was so scared and even like coughing or sneezing in public right now. Oh my God, people will kill you. (laughs) They will literally kill you. Um, Yeah. So it's crazy. Um, It's just crazy. I, I hope that we as a country are able to get our shit together and contain it. Um. Because it just, it's already killing the economy. Yeah, it's definitely too much panic around unnecessary panic. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are losing their jobs. Um, It's just already, and like, it's, it's, yeah. I, I remember when I worked in venture capital in 2016, Tony Robbins was over and he said, we're gonna see a recession in the next few years. Um, because it's been a bull market and he's like, we're going to hit a bear market soon, like blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, I was expecting that an election year like this would instigate a recession, but I wasn't expecting a virus to instigate a recession. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to be really creative on how we're working and how we're finding jobs and all of this so yeah the only thing is good that we work from home we work online that's a good part but for others who actually have to go to work that's the hardest part yeah it's definitely um it's definitely hard I think but also I don't know for you but for me part of like 
what gives me work or like helps me get work is meeting with people um, and meeting, whether it be at events or um, all my events are canceled, all the influencer and press events are canceled. Yeah, um, I had to go on the cruise and I had to go on several events and they're all canceled. Oh my God. Too. Were you, you were going to go on a cruise? I had to go to Revolve cruise. Like, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they can't. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, everything was canceled. Um, and yeah, I don't even know. It's crazy to me. It's psycho. And for, then there's some people that are still going about with their life and going out and acting like nothing's happening, but I don't know. I think until we are able to have enough tests that if you feel sick, you can go get tested right away. Um, yeah. in LA, there aren't enough tests. Like I literally was curious. I called an ur- like urgent care to see if they have the test. They don't. And then I know someone else who says she's like a thousand percent sure she has it. Her and her mom, they went to the doctor and they tested negative for influenza, strep, and something else. And the doctor's like, you probably have it, but we can't test you. So go home and quarantine yourself. Oh wow. so just until we can get a hold on like how it's how big of a problem it really is, I think it's just safer to stay at home, not go anywhere, don't travel, even though it's so cheap, it's not worth it. Um yeah, the flights are tempting, but it's not worth it. Yeah, your health is def- definitely more important than anything right now. Yeah. But how do you stay inspired as a writer? Because, you know, for me, sometimes it's hard. Like, you have to concentrate, sit down, and write about or You have to find inspiration. Sometimes inspiration just comes to me from anywhere, just like in the middle of the night. But what for you, how does it work for you? Um, this is a hard question because I'm not always inspired. Um, even when I'm doing my podcast, I'm not always inspired. I wake up sometimes and I don't want to go record. I don't like, I don't want to go to the studio. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just not in the mood. Um, and I know this sounds crazy, but I, my inspiration for doing it comes, it comes down to helping others and hopefully what, I either what I write about or what I discuss um, on the podcast with my guests or on a solo episode is going to help others in one way or another. Um, And that's what my inspiration comes from. Um, And I've been, I have really bad anxiety. So the reason sometimes I wake up and I don't want to record, it's because I'm so anxious and like, and nervous and um and I'm still trying to figure out how to um navigate that um but usually once I get into the studio and I'm on the mic that anxiety goes away um but just giving you an example that I don't always I'm not always constantly inspired and I don't always find inspiration in things but my main inspiration is, or motivation is, if I can help someone, if this story or if this episode is going to help someone in some way, then it's worth 
being uncomfortable, being anxious, being un- uninspired to do it. Yeah. I have anxiety mm-hmm. too. And I've had it even when I wake up with stars, but I kind of learned when I like I start learning all the phases like when I just get it and what thoughts bring me the anxiety and I just started going deep into what makes me anxious and it got better but before I was waking up and I had to run somewhere because I couldn't be by myself I thought I'm gonna die (laughs) that's how bad it was and I had to take CBD for a couple months like every day (laughs) then I overcame that and then it, it got better with time also like I try to work out a lot. That helped me too. Are you? Yes, that does help a lot. And I think figuring out um, what works for you as an individual is so important. Um, but yeah, it's there's some weeks where you're so busy and there's so much to do. Like I'm as a free, I'm like technically freelance with everything I do, um, and trying to figure out like what the fuck do I even start with and like you know I'm really big now into writing lists and just crossing stuff off like writing it down and crossing it off um even more than just putting it in your phone I feel like being able to cross it off is like gives you a sense of like achievement um but yeah when you physically write it and then you physically do it, your brain has different effect. Like when you actually do it with your hand, it different like exactly. impact in your brain. You type it in your phone. Exactly. Because there's like that reminder app on your phone, but it's not the same like gratification. <laughs> um, of yeah, it doesn't give you the same like effect to your brain. Um, but are you? staying away from the gym right now and working out working out at home or so so I see so many people working out outside since it's like hot outside right now in Atlanta so I see so many people walking and I usually do workouts at home like 15-20 minutes sometimes when I don't have time and I even see the gym like I have a gym in my um complex where I live so that gym is empty so I guess people are staying out of all the public places, even like gems in your community. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, because like gyms, like think about it. Unless you're wearing a fucking hazmat suit and Lysoling the shit out of everything right before you use it and after you touch it, which is going to make your workout turn into like a three-hour workout. There's like, it's just a Petri dish for germs and like yeah I can live on metal for like three days I think metal yeah because they they were even saying on CNN that um coronavirus lives on copper the longest yeah (laughs) and that's a lot of the gym material like I mean if you're lifting weights a lot of that I told my sister I was like sure she's like I really want to work out we have a small gym in our complex but I was like let's go wear gloves and like like latex gloves I made her go to the store and to buy some in masks so we can at least go on the treadmill um but yeah I think at home workout like people who do have the apps and like people like tone it up or like Kayla it's they're gonna blow up right now because everyone's trying to work out at home yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And do you usually work with any celebrities? Like, do you write about any celebrities? And who are your favorites you work with? Um, I, I guess I do. Um, I That's a great question because I think I, I realize that a lot of, like, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Kansas. Um, and a lot of the people that I interview, it's become just, like, people I've known and people were, like, will freak out that I'm talking to this person and like think that they're the biggest celebrity. So I've kind of gotten, um, when I first started writing and stuff, I would even think a CEO of a company was like a big deal. And this sounds bad, but I've kind of gotten desensitized to working or, or seeing people as celebrities, which is good in a sense, because I think people they can feel when you're like freaking out about them kind of. And sometimes they're more opposed to, uh, you know, being interviewed by you. But most recently I was speaking at the Create and Cultivate conference and um, in the green room, I got to chat with afterwards Eva Mendez and Jessica Alba and Jessica Simpson. So they were like really cool to talk to. Um, those are like some OG celebrity, like celebrities. Um, and then I met, uh, when I met Cindy Crawford a year and a half ago, she was like so nice and I didn't even, wouldn't even expect it. Um, and yeah, she was just so nice. And so, like welcoming and she was very open um and someone who's been around that long sometimes they're not as open to share and so it was I really appreciated her being open I will say the most the craziest kind of like I realized how big this person was was I interviewed Cassie Randolph who won The Bachelor a year and on Colton season or like not one, but she, her and Colton are together. Um, and you know, I knew bachelor nation was a big, like was crazy. Like I knew there was like a thing called bachelor nation and like, but I didn't realize how crazy literally people were treating it. Like she was Oprah. And I ran into her. I told her, I was like, seriously, girl, like people, went crazy people were writing about it on their blogs they were having conversations about it they were trying to decode everything you were saying like we were getting dms from all these like random fan accounts and groups it was just like i i can't believe how big bachelor nation is and i think those and that's what i realized like i could have had oprah on my podcast but it would have not gotten the same response as as the one i do with cassie <laughs> i don't i never even watched bachelor i know well, the thing, I, I didn't even i never really like watched it i would just watch the um uh like the snippets on social media i would look at the memes things like that but I never really watched it. Um, and this season I did watch it for the first time, start to finish. And I got my boyfriend into it, but yeah. So it was just kind of a, 
interesting for me to see that. Yeah, definitely. I've seen on Instagram, everybody's like, oh my God, Bachelor season today. Are you watching today's episode? Blah, blah. I was like, oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah. What are you the most passionate about in life? Another um, kind of tying back to what I said earlier, I'm really passionate about using um, my voice through storytelling to bring awareness to um, certain issues um, or just topics, um, people, interesting finds. Growing up, I, I was bullied a lot and I felt like I didn't have a voice. And so using tools such as writing or having a podcast is a way for me to use my voice to a, either give, give myself a voice or give other people a voice. Um, and I think that is like my life's mission is to sto- is to communicate through storytelling, whether that be um, as a journalist or as a podcaster, as an author, as a director, producer, any of those things. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for opening up. Where can our listeners find you? Like your social handles, your podcast yeah. name? Like You can find my personal handle. It's at Yola Robert, Y-O-L-A-R-O-B-E-R-T. And then you can find the podcast. It's just I Suck at Life uh, on, podca- on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can find podcasts. And you can connect with, a- connect with us on Instagram at I suck at life podcast. Definitely check it out. It's um, some episodes are super funny. Some of them are more serious. Some of them are just very interesting to listen to. So we have a little bit of everything. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Yolo, for being my guest. I really love how you explain everything and told us the story. That's an amazing story you had. Thank you for having me and stay safe and hopefully we'll all get through it and everything can resume. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Not Basic Blonde podcast. You can find her on Instagram at notbasicblonde underscore or nbb podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you may leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be greatly appreciated. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.